thumb around and find it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. We've had a couple of marriage ceremonies in here the last couple of weeks, uh, two or three weeks. We had uh, Marty and Nicole Shelton and Chris, let's see, Mike and Christine Tice. That's Christine Warren, for those who don't know. Christine, that was on Friday night. Is that right? Did I pronounce it right? Okay. That's what I said all through the ceremony. I hope it was right. Yes. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider one another how to provoke or motivate or stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our assembling together as the manner and habit of some are, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching or that day drawing near. This passage out of the book of Hebrews was written uh, to Christian people. And it was a time of some falling away. This is late in the, in the part of the century Jesus has probably uh, his resurrection, crucifixion and resurrection, probably 30, 40 years hence. Early Christians facing persecution, facing uh, uh, issues in their family because of their profession of Christ, uh, even in the workplace. Uh, the culture was pulling people away. And so it was a very testy time in the Christian world. You could say the same for our day. And so the writer really wants to emphasize to the people that they're to watch out for each other. They are to be there for each other. They're there to encourage each other. He said, look to each other. Consider one another, it says. And stimulate each other. Motivate each other. Provoke even the words. You provoke love and good works. Be conscious of each other's lives. Are there people here in this congregation that when you sit in your place, most of you sit in a fairly common place, so if you're absent, and I'm looking for you, I know about where to look. Some of you move around a little bit. But are there people that are around you or people that... uh, you look across the way and see that to you really encourage you. Just their presence. You may not even know them. You just have watched them in worship, singing the songs, or with their families, or in praying. Just people that really matter. You know, when you come to a church long enough, you're going to find there's people in your life that they may never, you may never really know them, but you see them, and they make a difference. So today I want to talk about what a good church can do for you, what a good church can do for you. 
And I don't know that we've reached all, I don't think we've reached all the, we wouldn't score a 10 on everything by any means. Matter of fact, there are probably some things we fell at royally, <laughs> gloriously. <laughs> but you know what? We're human beings. And the Lord's got us as His people. As one fellow says, we ain't much, but we're all the Lord has here right now. So it, we're going to have to step up. Amen? So as I preach this today, I mean, there are things I see in my life as a pastor that, you know, I need to work on too. So as we get along. So what good is a church? What is its significance to you? Next week in our Baptist Men's Day, we're going to have some testimonies of some of our men. And none of them are perfect. Matter of fact, I've deliberately gone out and picked very imperfect ones. <laughs> they know who they are. But they're going to come and share a testimony of their faith. But any place you go on this earth, if you look hard enough, you can find a group of Christians somewhere. Now, they might be underground in some places. But down here in the south, they're at every turn, every crook and turn. Bodies meeting together. And there was a time when coming to church, society expected us to come to church. We go back into the 40s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Some of you lived in those days. And, and if you were a Christian, if you had a lost neighbor, they were expecting you to get up and go to church that day. Isn't that right? That's the way it was. Well, our culture's changed. And now we've got what might be thought of as a floating Christianity that's uh, missing out on the importance of a church. Romans, 10, Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted one to another in brotherly love. We've had several, we have several events in our church life that are gauged to meeting our neighbors. Now to me, one of the best ones is our Halloween time, our trunk or treat. We meet a lot of people. Next month, we're going to have empty bowls and we're going to try to invite people in to an event. This is a community event as well as a church event. We've got, uh, uh, we've got Vacation Bible School, uh, which is really a community event. We've got... Uh, uh, what do we got? Operation Inasmuch. It's a ministry opportunity, and that's coming in April. And we're looking forward to going out into our community and, and reaching out to others uh, through ministries. We've got um, craft fair. We've got a, road, a, a car show we did, right, Eric? Uh, that's for the community, and that's for, for people to come, and we try to meet them, try to get them to meet us. Uh, you know, when people ride by here, what do they see? They see a red brick building. And they might wonder, what in the world is this building? What goes on in there? Could I ever be there? Could I be accepted there? Could I find a place there where I could be welcome? Some might be, not have any idea that they could be welcome here. And so we have all kinds of events that are seeking to touch people on the outside. And we want people to know that we... We are a good church. We want to be a good church. We want to be a place where people can come and it'll be a meaningful place of meeting the Lord and His people. 
And so, if God has a baby Christian somewhere, somebody who's kind of new to the faith, He wants, he wants them to find a good place, an incubator, you might say, for a new Christian to be able to come into and what? Stay warm in the Lord. We don't want, to go, we want, don't want our hearts to go cold. And so one reason we come here is to get refueled or get our fires refueled and to be a part of, the, of our faith, part of our believing faith with others. What can a good church do for you? And I'm going to name five things, and there's many other things we could point to, but I'll mention five things. One is it identifies you as a believer, as a genuine, genuine believer. Now, does that mean that everybody comes to church as a perfect person? Or that people don't come for different motives, it doesn't mean that at all. But, but being a part of a church family does indicate that you are a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't just come and ask people to follow Him by themselves. They followed Him as part of a flock. When Jesus called His disciples and said to follow Him, they were part of that twelve, that inner twelve, and then there were other disciples on the outside of this, the greater group. But the whole point is following Him together. Together. So it helps to identify us. Ephesians 2.19 says this. The Bible's clear on this. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So you're part of a larger group when you come to Jesus Christ. Romans 12.5 So in Christ, we who are many... Form one body. Each member belongs to the other. We become part of the body of Jesus Christ. He is the head. We are, we are the body. You know, sometimes it takes a while for us to really understand what is that the essence of our faith. We begin, we're learning. We're, we're learning as we go along. We're growing. I heard this story. Uh, this was written in Sports Illustrated about Jim Valvano who who back in the 80s was, uh, was the uh, coach of North Carolina State. Uh, and and he, uh, he looked back on his life and he told a story about himself. Now, he developed cancer. Many of you may know this story. He developed cancer. And he told this story about himself as a 23-year-old coach. 23 years old, he's coaching this small college team. And he asked the team, he says, Why is winning so important to you? And he told them that because the final score defines you, you lose, ergo, you're a loser. You win, ergo, you're a winner. He's 23 years old. He's a new coach. No, the player said. Participation is what's matter. Trying your best, regardless of whether you win or lose. That's what defines you. That's what his players told him. And he said it took 24 more years of living. It took him in his place of cancer, he says. Bolting up from the mattress three or four times a night, soaking in sweat, teeth chattering from a fever chill of the chemotherapy and the terror of seeing himself die in his dreams. It took all of that for him to say, those kids were right. It's effort, not result. It's trying. God, what a great human being I could have been 
if I'd been aware of that back then. So we're learning. And part of being a church family is we learn together. We have Bible study classes, and, and these are, you know, Bible study is about life. And the teaching of God's Word deals with every aspect of our life. And brick by brick, we're learning something. We're putting it together. None of us, even as we get older, there's always challenges. Whatever challenges you're facing in your younger years, older people are facing their challenges in the older years. And it's so important that we be true to the Lord and keep to our faith. You're, part, you're a vital organ of the body of Christ. The body is stronger when you're here and weaker when you're not here. And for your sake, you cannot remove an organ and it stay alive. It's going to go cold and die. It's important that we remain a functioning part of the body of Christ. So it is a way we identify, we show our genuine faith in Christ, show it to the world, show it to ourselves. Secondly, it provides, what does a good church do for you? It provides a spiritual family to support and encourage you and in your walk with Christ. Encouragers. I was speaking with my class this morning and there's the church, Christian people have gifts and one of the main gifts that I see very often in our church family are gifts of encouragement. Do you know why? Because we really need encouragement. We need people around us. And we need to be an encourager. If we have that gift, don't withhold it. Share it with others. And so we read that one scripture there in Hebrews. Look at, listen to this one in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers... If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch for yourself, or you may also be tempted, carrying each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. I've heard it described, and I think it's true. The church is like a hospital for sinners. And there are times when we are the patient. And there are times when we need to be the doctor. And so we help one another. And so it helps us in our spiritual, to have a spiritual family to support us and encourage us in our walk with Christ. That's what we're all about. It's not just coming together and meeting and, you know, listening to a sermon as good or bad as it might be. It's not that. It's all part of our walk with Christ. And so, uh, an encouraging word. I, I read about this man who was, who was in a workplace. He had a white-collar job. He was upstairs in the building, upstairs where they play music, soft music while you're working. And upstairs with some of the leaders of the company. And for whatever reason, he was... Busted of that job. Whatever he did, or whatever somebody thought he did, his job busted on him. He stayed in the company, but he was dropped down to the very bottom. 
He was out there doing whatever, you know, pickup jobs you do. You know, young people, you're going to find out when you start out in work, it's generally those kind of jobs. They, they know you've got a strong back and they want to use it. That's what they do to you. So, <laughs> so don't be afraid of a little hard work when you're getting started. But there he was down there doing things he hadn't done in years. His body wasn't conditioned for it. It was kind of a rough place. All the, no soft music playing. You know, there was some crude talk. The boss himself was just cussing the daylights out of him every time he turned around. He was fiddling and fumbling at his job. He just couldn't seem to get hold of this different kind of work again. And he was getting ready to quit. He said, I'm going to work till lunchtime and then I'm going to quit. And at lunchtime, the, the boss came out and it was payday. And he'd been there about three weeks or so. I guess I don't know how the hell it But anyway, he was getting his pay. And said the boss looked at him differently than he'd ever looked. And the boss told him, said, you know what? Back there in the, in the office here behind us there, he said, there's a woman in there. And she says she knows you. That she works in the nursery at your church. And she helps take care of your children. And she sees you in the worship. And she sent a little note down here with your paycheck and she put it in there. And He opened his paycheck up. He looked at the note. And she said, I work in the office and I know you. We go to church together and I take care of your children in the nursery. And I want you to know that when one, body, when one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. I'm praying for you. That was an encouraging word he needed to hear. So we are here to keep encouraging each other. Some of you have been through rough times, even rough times in the church. It happens, you know, we're people. But you've got to develop You've got to develop this in your Christian walk. You've got to have a connection with Jesus Christ that will weather some things when they come and not get detoured too easily. You've got to be able to take some contrary winds sometimes. But you know what? Jesus did it. It says He endured even to the cross. And so we also need to have that kind of help, uh, that kind of focus in our life. Somebody is praying for you. Third thing, what can a good church do for you? It gives you a place to discover and use your spiritual gifts in ministry. The body, the body it says, is not one member, but many. We are all so very different. And, it's, and, it's, and it, run, it drives us nuts sometimes how different some of us are from us. You know? But that's part of God's wonder When God plants a garden, He throws in all kinds of seeds. Even a fool of a preacher sometimes. And so so among us, we're all so different. But you know what? If you're a believer, God has gifted you in some way. And I don't have time to talk about the spiritual gifts. William and I have talked about maybe doing an exploration of our Christian gifts and seeing how we fit into the you know, how we can fit into God's work. Right, William? Didn't we talk about that? Wasn't that you? Oh, yeah, okay. 
I might have just dreamed it. But we're all different. We all come from a different place. I read this story about, about a, a man who was blind. And he was beginning college, a young man. And in that college, he was having a hard time getting around. And there was another man there who had no arms or legs. And somehow they connected with each other. And one said, I will be your eyes if you'll kind of help me negotiate certain things and get around. And through their whole college career, they worked together. Two parts of the body of Christ working together. Isn't it amazing how when we put ourselves together, the sum is greater than our parts. We don't depend on anybody being everything. We all come together and we make a church family. So no, no believer is complete in themselves. This is why you need a church. And what a good church can do for you. You're not complete by yourself. You're out there. You're, you're in the wind. You're blowing hither thither. You know, you need a church family. Number four, what a good church can do for you. It places you under spiritual protection of godly leaders. Now, I'll read this verse, and this is humbly, okay? Because I, I don't feel like I measure up in any kind of way, but I'm, here, I'm at where I'm at, and we have spiritual leaders in our church. It places you under spiritual protection of godly leaders. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. And so I understand that I have an accountability to God to be a leader. I shared with our group this morning, my image of leadership comes from Jesus' example himself. He said, I am the shepherd. And I see myself as being an under-shepherd in the work of the Lord. And we have deacons and other leaders in our church who also are supporting this kind of ministry. But we lead. You can't lead unless somebody's following. And so a shepherd, when he leads a sheep, he's out front. And the sheep know him and follow him. It's not like driving cattle. You know, when you're when you watch Rawhide on TV, most of us haven't been on our own cattle drive. But they get in behind the cattle and keep them moving, little doggies they call them. Pushing them along. It's not that way. This is the sheep following the shepherd. And the shepherd, the great shepherd, is Jesus Christ. And he has underlings. That verse where Jesus says, All that you have given into my hand, I've kept them. Except for one, the son of perdition. Talking about Judas. You know, I think it broke Jesus' heart that he had even lost one. He told the story of the lost sheep. Remember that story? How important the lost sheep was to the shepherd. He would leave the 99 in a safe place and go and search for that sheep until he found it. I can tell you this, as an under-shepherd for Christ, when one who was following 
stops following. And somehow it's somewhere else. And I don't mean just going to another church. I, it's a blessing to me when we go to other churches if that's the case. That's all fine. They're in one flock. You know, the flocks of the Lord's. But those who wind out, wind up nowhere. You know, I count it, you know, as my, as a personal loss, as an under-shepherd, responsible to the shepherd. That doesn't mean it's always between me and them. Sometimes it might be. For me to find a way to engage them, talk with them. If, it's, if I feel like it's something with me, I want to talk about it. You know, but praying for those. And so, you know, don't be a lost sheep. <laughs> I guess that's what I want to say. <laughs> and so, number five, what can a good church do for you? Um, a good church does put you under protection of spiritual leaders. Let me, let me just stay on that one more, one more moment. You know, we've got the, those who are older in the faith, those who have been in the faith, we are there to kind of help watch over younger ones. William's got a pretty big job right here with the youth. We have children's workers working with our children. But it's not just them. We all have a role in this. And so we are part of the process of helping, you know, one another. And so older leaders, older people who've been in the faith a while have got some things they can share, you know, with those, with those who are younger. Number five, it gives you the accountability you need to grow. Some people say, well, I, you know, I don't like to come to church because, well, sometimes it makes me feel guilty. Well, you know, maybe we need to feel guilty. Maybe there's a reason for it. And when I point at someone and I talk about sin, I want you to know, look, i got three fingers pointing right back at myself. So it's not a self-righteousness that we proclaim. It's the righteousness of Christ. And we all measure up against that, don't we? And so we need that time of accountability. Ephesians 5.21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And... Um, you know, holding each other accountable is not easy. But it is to be done in love. Speak to one another in love. If, that, if love's not our motive when we're talking with each other about our faith and life, then we've got the wrong motive. It's easy to have a judgmentalism and do it. That's not the way. It's through love. True fellowship comes out of a love that we have for each other and we build each other up. Someone said there's four main bones in an organization. The wish bones, wishing somebody else would do something about the problem. The jaw bones, doing all the talking but very little else. The knuckle bones, those who knock everything. And the backbones. Those who carry the brunt and the load of the work to do. And so we all have a place, you know. Hopefully we all got some backbone. Amen? I know I've been called the jawbone of the church, so we get that part. Uh, the mouth of the church, but that's not the, you know, you've got to have some backbone, right? And you've got to have more than knocking, knocking knuckle bones. 
If we're just a church full of knuckle bones, we're going to be an unhappy people. You know, so just taking our share of the responsibilities. When you join a church family, you're signing on to be part of our covenant with each other that we're seeking to keep together. It's a commitment to the Lord, first of all, that yes, I'm going to be part of your people. And once you have found a place here that you feel like is, you know, you resonate with the people, I say there's five things to think about. I'll make them short. I know I just went over five points, but here we go. Help me with this now, Teresa. I know you're looking on. First thing is prayer. Pray about it. Second is, and that's with the Lord. Second is the people. Are these people I resonate with? Are these people I feel are on the same walk with me? We're trying to follow the Lord. Three might be proximity. Is this a fairly close church to where I live? I think it's always good to check out the churches you live close to. See if you can be a part of that church family. Fourth is the programs or the ministries of the church. You know, does this church have ministries that my family can participate in? My, my children, if I have children. Does it have ministries that I can be a part of? And fifthly, and lastly, and it's the smallest one, is the pastor. Now I say that because pastors come and go. You say, well, you sure have been here. Well, I have been to you. But on average, you know, pastors are only three, four years. And that's why when you make a commitment to be part of a church family, it can't be just primarily on a pastor. But you do want a pastor that you resonate with, that you feel is genuine, that you feel communicates with you and your, your church family. So when you're thinking about becoming a part of a church, you know, it's going to be a big commitment. It's one of the most important decisions you'll make. You know, that spouse is a certainly an important one. The decision to come to Christ is most important. But what church am I going to belong with? Am I going to support with my means and with myself, be a part of. It's all very important. That's what a good church can do for you. Someday, next week we've got Baptist Men's Day. Someday I'm going to talk about what you can do for a good church. Okay? So we'll, we'll mess with that one. So, well, haven't you done that already? Well, yes, I might. Let's pray together. Father, thank you now for your word and the much it has to say about the body of Christ, the church. And God, if we think about it, of all the places and things we could belong to, God, there's nothing that has a greater impact on our life and on the life of our families and our communities than the church. Of all the worthy places that we could put our energies into, Lord, to be a meaningful part of the work of God and a meaningful part of the complete body of Christ. Lord, is really, uh, there's, there's nothing on this earth. It's universal. And God is significant because this, is, this is matters not only for just the temporary, but for eternity. 
We want to be faithful to Jesus Christ who is our Savior. We want to follow Him. We want Him to to be the Lord of our life. And we want to have a relationship that's warm and strong with our Lord. And Lord, we want to obey You and follow You and be a part of Your kingdom's work. Lord, as imperfect as it is, You've set aside these churches. Some are big and some are little. Some are medium-sized. But Lord, we're here to do the work of the Lord. That's our first and foremost work. So help us, Lord, in our life to connect ourselves with our church. It's this church or some other church to really belong to and be a part of in your work. We love you, Lord, and thank you for Jesus Christ and the privilege of being in your family. In Christ's name, I pray. So today we've talked about we've talked about what it means to be part of a good church, to identify us as a believer, provide a spiritual family to support and encourage us, to give us a place to discover and use our gifts, put us under the spiritual protection of godly leaders, gives us accountability we need to withstand temptation and grow as believers. And so as we give our invitation today, maybe you have been seeking and to discern what it is the Lord has for you in this regard of church membership and If the Lord is leading you, not because just the pastor asks you or someone else asks you, if the Lord is leading you to become part of a church family, then God bless you in that decision. It's important. We'll be glad to receive you today. If you haven't received Christ as your Savior, that's the main place to start is with Him. And I invite you today, if that's the decision of your heart to come or if there's any other commitment of life, let's stand together and sing our hymn of invitation. Hymn number 285, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go. Let's stand together as we sing. Okay.
the Lord. 